93.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar appeals are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by Wico Pa Casino Resort. Get to WKP Sports for football frenzy every Monday at the all-new Wico Pa Casino Resort. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. Y'all see it! All right, Lorenzo Alexander right here in the flesh, baby. Tim ring in for Luke Lipinski and Ron Wolfley, and Zoe is in the house as well. Zoe, actually, we're getting the lowdown for four hours today. Yeah. But whenever we have a chance to run that open with the dramatic music, boom. Yeah, it's nice. I, but we, 23 years I, I, in the I, National Football right. League. I think we've cut it down to two two times today, though. You know, I can't hear it every single People know I'm here already. No, man, I, I love the open. <laughs> I mean, I... I think I think I think only Darth Vader has a better arrival music than Lorenzo well, Alexander. Boom! I love it. <laughs> hey man, listen. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually it's great to have you for all four hours because uh, you know not only the the NFL knowledge, the football knowledge, but you know your basketball. And obviously, when you talk about the spirit of of all competition, uh, few few are better, and few have been around the block as long as you. And we were talking about leaders last segment with Chris Paul. And how fortunate coaches can be and are when your best player is also your best leader. I know from a football standpoint, leaders can come from a lot of position groups. There's no question about it. Right. Uh, you have been a leader, certainly, uh, in your career uh, in locker rooms. Larry Fitzgerald, consummate leader. But obviously, to a certain extent, it helps when your quarterback is also a leader because the nature of that position lends right. itself for you to be a leader off the field as well. You can probably speak to this more than me. I don't think Kyler Murray was ready for that role his first couple of years, but I think we're seeing a different Kyler Murray now yeah. uh, in terms of it not only uh, shining in that role, but maybe more importantly, Zoe, embracing that right. role as a leader of a football team. Yeah, um, and I would completely agree with you, and I think what we have to understand that up until he got to the NFL, Kyler – did whatever he wanted and, and won at every level. And when I mean d- did whatever he wanted, I mean physically, athletically on the field, could do anything he wanted and dominate the opponent with with little to no resistance, right, just because he was that much better than everybody. And when you get to this league, you realize that, man, everybody is me. Everybody has this elite ability. I mean, you have D linemen that are 270 pounds that are running, you know, four fives, four six. And so – and you just see that talent and athleticism all over the place, and you're this is really the first time, you know, if you look back, him losing games. And there is something to say with learning how to lose. Like we were talking about earlier with Urban, you have to learn how to deal with adversity yeah. and how do I make it productive, right? Nobody likes losing, but you can learn in a loss. You can develop. You can grow. And what I really liked from Kyler is the maturity from being able to communicate his feelings and thoughts about what happened in the game in a productive manner, right? Because there's different ways you can communicate the same thing, right, with your parents. It's not what you say, it's how you say it, and get and walk away from it as a fan, a reporter, and a teammate feeling completely different. 
Now, early in his career, I don't think he did it very well. He didn't do it at a high level uh, because he was just his first time dealing with adversity, you know, kind of being dismissive, uh, not really knowing what, you know, how to communicate, losing for the first time. His body language was really bad, especially on the sidelines during games when things didn't go right. And you and, and I've witnessed and hopefully everybody else has seen, you know, over these last couple of years, it's incrementally gotten better to where we see him after the Rams loss, right? A very devastating loss depending on based on what was on the line, you know, number one seed, still be able to go out there and play at a high level and kind of go into this playoffs at, at uh, kind of running this thing still. He was able to communicate in a very mature way um, that was much different than what we saw early in his career. And so I've gained a lot of respect for 100%. him. And, and I think his teammates and people around him have, have recognized that. And I think that's really one of the reasons why this team is much better off this year. Like, you know, for, from my standpoint, I can't speak to how he is with his teammates in the locker room, and I won't even try. But I can speak to how he presents himself to the media. And I know a lot of fans probably are like, well, you know, who cares how he talks to you guys? But there, I, for me, there, I think there is something. When, when, when you are speaking to the media, you are essentially the public face of the organization for that five-minute press conference. And right. I, think, I think how you handle yourself and what you say and what you reveal and how you present yourself in a way you are presenting the organization. And I look at the way that Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer handled that role in victory and defeat and did it so very well. And I know made Mike Bidwell and Steve Kime really proud of the way that they presented the organization in front of the microphones. Kyler Murray, conversely, when he was younger, I don't think did that very well. A little standoffish, not much to say, really looked like he was put off and bothered by having to do that and really looked a a tad bit, I guess, immature in terms of having to handle that. Remember the disastrous Dan Patrick interview when he was coming out into the draft. I mean, it made headlines. Kyler was so bad at that interview and people were kind of wondering like, gosh, what, you know, what's wrong with this, with this kid is, is, is is he all right? I mean, could this guy lead men? I mean, is, is everything, what's, what's up with his personality, you know, but having said that, and I'm going to play a couple clips here because I think it's interesting is that, you brought it up, Zoe, after the Rams game, Kyler Murray stood up there and it, he sounded a lot like a veteran quarterback, like the guys that did it well here, Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, talking about, you know, we got outplayed today, but but we're going to be back, and he knows the guys in the locker room, and, 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 and well, I'll let you hear it, but I mean, this is the maturity coming through with Kyler Murray after that game on Monday night. Give it a listen. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the way the guys fought. I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, it was obviously we lost – um, you know, everybody wanted to win. It's big, big night, big game for us. Um, but I'm not, I'm not discouraged by what happened tonight. Right now, that's a quick clip. It's like 12 seconds long. But, but Kyler Murray standing up and 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 saying, "Hey, look, this this is what happened. This is what I think." But I got a lot of faith in our guys. Yada yada yada. And you know, I don't know if Kyler Murray went through media training or or, or Mike and Steve sat down with him, or maybe it's just the maturation process coming through that he realizes you know he is the face of the organization now with Larry Fitzgerald retired, and you got to present yourself a little better. Conversely, this is Kyler Murray after a loss last year in November when he was being pressed on what's going on with the football team. How do you process this, and how do you move forward from here? Uh. Hold on. Um, yeah. Right. Hang on.
Try to be better. Wow. Right. Right, Zoe? I mean, you, significant you, you, you hear the significant difference. Di- difference, and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you. And, and t- when you hear those two clips, my man, as a guy who played a decade and a half in this league, what does that tell you? I mean, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is just is just growth. And, you know, it, it always comes back to um, I think we put a lot of expectations on, on uh, people that show great ability to be athletic to make it seem like they should have everything together. Well, that's not the fact. You know, they're, they're human beings um, at, at their core, and everybody has weaknesses. Um, and because he hadn't really dealt with it, didn't know how to articulate frustration in, in a way um, before because he really had never dealt with it at a high level, um, you can really see growth and intentionality. And even in that other clip, that the mature clip, right, he actually rattled off a couple of reasons why yeah. they didn't win, right? So I know Mark Dalton over there, he does a great job as far as preparing guys, so maybe they even have a better way about helping him, and he's put some some effort into it because it, it does matter. It does matter how you how you um, present yourself to the public and the media because there's a little essence of who you are. It may not be all of who you are, but some of who you are comes out in those interviews. Man, I agree. (laughs) And I don't don't like to talk about it that much because it feels very self-serving because I am a member of the media and it helps me when guys are good. It helps me when guys are like you. Right. But but I do think it's a window into your character as a person, you, how you handle that responsibility. Right. And to your point, I've, I've, I've had the benefit of being in the locker room with guys, right? I've seen guys that are really good at, with the media, guys that are, aren't that great with the media, things they say and do. And it's not a direct line as far as who they are, but it, there's some overlapping correlations, correlations to, okay, oh, this, is, this is the type of teammate he is, or this is how you have to deal with him. And so... The same things you may see in the media come out, I may as a leader say, okay, this is how I have to address this guy because this is where he's short at or doesn't work well or or he d- does great. He communicates. I don't even have to worry about this, right? So there are some correlations there. And just to see his growth, players feel that, especially with the body language, the eye contact, because we saw with the media and on the sideline last year, right, with Kyler, yeah. some of that standoffishness. And so as a teammate, I'm sitting here watching this. I mean, like, so so it's just on us. It's not the way you plan. You're not in it with us. <laughs> Right? That's how I would take it. Yeah. And that's how people would take that when he's up there on the mic talking the way he did last year with that clip. So you don't have nothing to say, nothing about you or right. what you could have done. So so you do, is this somebody else's fault? You don't want to say it? Right? When you aren't able to communicate and you have bad body language, you leave it up to the public to really – uh, come up with their own opinion about who you are and what you and, and we can see that on the field happen as well. And so he's grown in that aspect. He's intentional. I think his teammates have recognized that. You can see it differently on the sideline because they, they have issues where they're kind of slow and then they, they, they figure it out. But I think that's because you have a more engaged, mature Kyler. DeAndre Hopkins will undergo surgery on his torn MCL. So who needs to step up in his absence? Tim and Zoe in for Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we are ripping through the morning, 1018 here in the Valley. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, pinch hitting today, this morning for Wolf and Luke. Those guys were getting some much-needed time off, and we are happy to uh, pinch hit uh, for the uh, the afternoon and the morning here. Uh, so, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, we talked about that earlier in the show, obviously led off the 10 o'clock hour with the news that DeHop's going to have the surgery on the MCL. 
It's the conflicting reports that have given us pause in terms of what this means for not only Hopkins, but the Cardinals. Josina Anderson reports we're talking about a two- to four-month recovery, which obviously would end his regular season and postseason, even if the Cardinals reach the Super Bowl in mid-February. The more optimistic report coming from Ian Rappaport that he would be out six weeks, which a rough calculation there would put him back if the Cardinals made the NFC Championship game. And if D-Hop could be a quick hurler, a quick healer, maybe yeah. he could get back a week earlier uh, than that. So, uh, you know, let's get your opening thoughts on uh, what, the, what 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 surgery on a torn MCL could look like and your yeah. thoughts on the on the different reports. Because, you know, you and I were talking before the show, those two particular reporters generally have different sources. And I'm talking about Josina usually gets her information from players. Right. And Rappaport usually gets his information from agents and front office types Mm -hmm. so it's so if that holds true for this i'm not sure what it tells us well (laughs) but it's but it's it's interesting nonetheless i can tell you this i mean it's giving you two different perspectives and really two ways you probably can approach this mcl surgery typically agents and and in front office want their players back fairly quicker and there's probably a procedure that Maybe long-term isn't the best, but short-term can get D-Hop back ready to play in that NFC Championship game if they're playing versus, you know, a player's perspective where you tend to look at, okay, what is the, the rest of my career going to look at look like? What is life after football going to look like? And typically that is a longer process of getting back because you're not rushing yourself and maybe going out there prematurely and playing a football game. So it actually kind of lines up of why you may look at it like that. Um, but as you kind of laid out the timeline, even with the, the six-week period, I mean, yeah. you're sitting out for six weeks. I mean, are you going to be even in football shape, right, um, to be able to go out there and be productive? And, you know, D-Hop is obviously an elite athlete, but what is that going to look like? I know one thing, when you tend to injure yourself, um, and we all do this, you compensate, right? So if you come out there six weeks, that's probably the earliest you can be ready, right? So you, you're not even probably a hundred percent. What areas, just like this, he coming off a hamstring, and I, it'll be interesting for my my kind of nerd knowledge which one it was and which knee it is, because you're constantly compensating. So if yeah. something is hurt, your body's trying to make up for it, and that leads to extended injuries. And so, yes. We would love to have D-Hop if you're in the NFC Championship game, but what does that mean? Does this guarantee us that we're going to go to the Super Bowl and then he's going to play the next week and win, or are we putting him in a way that he can potentially hurt himself and derail what D-Hop could be in the future? And I'm always – and I've been I've been scarred by this, right? Yeah. Uh, RG3, you know, I, w- I, was, I was in Washington when he had the knee and got put back out there prematurely. Now, that's obviously uh, an extreme example, but that is essentially what you're asking him to do to come, come back towards that six-week mark versus letting him get completely healthy with that three or four months. Then there's also T.O. in the Super Bowl. He comes back. Yeah, yeah, broken leg. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, Yeah, T.O., I don't know where he was at in his career. He might have been towards the end of it. Yeah. And so there's a different perspective, too. So each player is different. Yeah, you know, uh, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN, and we're going to get into what the Cardinals do now. I think if if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you almost have to now approach it where you're not you're just not going to have Hopkins for the regular season or the postseason. How are we going right. to win? How are we going to go forward and win win football games? Get it, get get the best seed we can possibly get and go as far as we can go in the playoffs. Go as deep as we can go and still chase that championship 
without DeAndre Hopkins? What are the weapons we have? How to best utilize them? Here's Dan Orlovsky uh, on ESPN yesterday on the loss of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It's an enormous deal because... He's the guy in their offense that changes everything about how a defense approaches that, that, that scheme. And that no longer is there. I think the second thing is when Kyler gets out of the pocket and is creative, Hop has the best feel when it comes to that stuff. That, oh, my quarterback's gone. I got to get to this spot. He's also the guy that when Kyler needs a throw, he don't even have to be open. And Kyler trusts that he's going to get there. Remember, they lost their tight end, Max Williams, at the start of this year as well. So now they've got to depend on... You know, a guy like Zach Ertz, who's a fantastic player, but he's only been there about a month, right? So how does that connection and chemistry develop? James Conner's going to have to become a little bit more of a pass catcher, which we've seen. Christian Kirk got to go. A.J. Green's been nice, but now A.J. Green becomes a focal point. If I look at a comparison to Green Bay, Devontae, Dallas has got their guys. Tampa's got their guys. I get concerned now with this offense losing their best player. Uh, Stan Orlowski from ESPN clearly has hot take music uh, to go along with with his with his takes. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander. So, so I got so many things to ask you about. Let me let me just start with this because it kind of piggybacks off what Orlowski was saying at the beginning there. Uh, what it does to the Cardinals' offense schematically now that Hopkins is no longer on the field. You still have weapons. Right. AJ Green, pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, Christian Kirk can be good. Rondell Moore can be explosive. Chase Edmonds can make plays, and of course you still have an MVP candidate at quarterback. But how does, let's how does it affect about James Conner either? You know, I know yeah. he's nicked up, but let's not forget he's been the he's been unbe- he's been he's been unbelievable. <laughs> right. I, I just don't know if you're going to have him on Sunday, but yeah, James Conner is going to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, he, James Conner may be All Pro. Yeah. After the season uh, he's had, and, and and you hope he's ready to go 100 percent in in the playoffs. But what what does it do now? to the Cardinals' offense in terms of how they will face now defenses who don't have to prepare for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, yeah, that's that's going to be the issue, and I guess you got to kind of figure out how defenses are going to play you currently. Um, obviously, with Hop, he tor- he, tor- he normally gets a couple of guys' um, uh, attention, whether it's the corner, you know, and linebacker kind of working in tandem, corner with the safety over the top. Um, and so you're going to start seeing something – maybe a little bit different, a little bit more advantageous um, for the defense where they no longer have to treat that X receiver on the backside. You know, when Kyler and the offense comes out and trips, you may now feel like your corner can lock down whoever you put at X. So whether it's A.J. Green, maybe people may feel like that was a more favorable matchup and you can lean that other safety back to the strong side and get another guy to uh, help confuse or slow down the progression of Kyler Murray. And so they got a, probably a, a little glimpse of this when Kyler was out um, those three weeks and, and as well as Hop, and they saw how defense made him play them differently. So now it's going to all come back down to how does Cliff feel is the best way to attack those coverages, those schemes they've seen before. And I think we mentioned this earlier on as well. Maybe that's running Kyler a few more times just to threaten yep, the I agree. defense, right, to make them have that – angst of oh I got to come down now and then you have some play action game off of it you know we talk about the RPOs or, or, or run pass conflicts from a defensive perspective where you put linebackers you put safeties uh, uh, kind of like in a middle ground where they're not quite sure what they do and because they are trying to analyze it paralysis by analysis you can run it or you have an easy throw down the field to maybe a Zach Hurts over the middle and get some yards uh, after the catch and that can you know Little tweaks like that can add um, in the absence of Hopkins not being out on the field. 
Text us your thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Also coming up on the other side of the break, Zoe, I want to get your thoughts on whether or not the Cardinals might want to kick the tires on a guy like Antonio Brown if, in fact, he hits the the open market. Also, the NFL looking to make changes to its COVID-19 policy with cases rising around the league. We'll get into that next. Uh, Tim and Zoe in for Luke and Wolf on Arizona Sports 98.7. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar appeals are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by Pa Casino Resort. Get to WKP Sports for Football Frenzy every Monday at the all-new Wico Pa Casino Resort. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Y'all Alexander. Y'all see it! All right, we are back. It is the lowdown, 11.33 on a Thursday morning. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski, Lorenzo Alexander in for Ron Wolfley. In fact, the four-hour show is all the lowdown uh, today. We are talking Cardinal football and beyond. Uh, so before we get into the COVID issue, which is starting to become a problem again yeah. uh, in the National Football League, I do want to hit on one point with you back to DeAndre Hopkins that we were talking about last segment. You know... <laughs> We 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 discussed the whole Larry Fitzgerald thing about potentially mm-hmm. Fitz coming back. There is a possibility that Antonio Brown's days in Tampa come to an end. If that were to happen, Bruce Arians said, "I don't know, fifty fifty that they might release him." If that were to happen, knowing the talent the Cardinals have lost here in DeAndre Hopkins, would you put your GM hat on? Put your head coaching hat on? Would you? kick the tires, would you consider bringing in an Antonio Brown? Yes. I mean, that is a, that's an option that you have to explore. Again, you know, just knowing Steve, he's going he's gonna to look under every rock. And I guess the plus side behind it is is that he has a great relationship with Bruce Arians and that coaching staff, right? Jason Wright is over there. They all were in Arizona. So that's going to be your first call is to those guys is like, hey, I get, I understand about the COVID card and that's why the league suspended him. You know, but what is this guy? And so, you know, obviously you go into the playoffs. I don't know how forthright they want to be with you because you could potentially see them. Um, But that is something that you have to call and check on and and figure out if that's worth bringing him in. Um, You know, obviously it will be here for a short, small sample size and – He's here, you know, he's here to help you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but, you know, normally when you bring in a personality like that, is your, long, is your locker room um, um, strong enough to absorb it? You know, you think about the leadership that they have. They've grown with their leadership. I know we've talked about some other guys that you're probably going to mention, right? Antonio Freeman back in Green Bay days. I know you brought up that example. Yeah. With Andre Risen. I'm I'll, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell, the, I'll tell, yeah, the, I'll tell yeah. that story in a second here. And so it's all about whether or not they feel that Antonio Brown is still – mentally locked in to where it's not going to be about him, which it looked like that was happening with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay until he got suspended. You know, we got had his injury, which he couldn't control that. And so if he's on that same wavelength with Kyler and, and, and being injected into this offense, 
um, and 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 understanding that Kyler's going to spread the ball around, and is he okay with that? Because he may not view AJ Green like he looks at Mike Evans. Yeah. He may not view Christian Kirk as he looks at Godwin, right? Like, I'm the guy I might want the ball. So you have to look at all of that, take it in, and make – does it make sense? Is the risk versus what could happen, you know, um, and the reward of who he could be and how he could help this offense? Well, it's interesting because, listen, every team is different, so I don't mean to paint a picture like, well, it yeah, happened yeah. this way before, it's right. going to happen this way again. But these, these, these situations are eerily similar. In a former life, Zoe, I, I covered the Green Bay Packers back in 1996. In the 96 season, as we all know, the Packers ultimately won the Super Bowl. What people don't remember <clears throat> excuse me, about that team, uh, very similar to the Cardinals, they were rolling along that season as the number one seed and a bona fide Super Bowl contender. But their number one wide receiver, Robert Brooks, blew his knee out on Monday night football against the 49ers. Shortly after that, their number two receiver Antonio Freeman got hurt. Now that's not a similar situation to this, but the Cardinal or the excuse me, the Packers, uh, late in the season, could not score, and they had an MVP candidate at quarterback in Brett Favre, just like the Cardinals do right now. Right. And the Cardinals could not score; they lost two games. Or the Packers could not score; they lost two games in a row. They lost at Kansas City, and then they lost uh, at Dallas. They were really in a world of hurt. Because here they are, this number one seed. They're losing their number one seed. Things are not going well. The Jacksonville Jaguars release Andre Risen, who a little bit like Antonio Brown is now, was a little bit of a locker room problem. But there was no denying the talent. But the Packers were like, we're a desperate team. We have no receivers right now. We need help. Robert Brooks is out for the year. We have a chance at the Super Bowl. You know, we got to we got to roll the dice and bring in a great receiver to help us win football games down the stretch and win in the playoffs. And lo and behold, Andre Risen was signed. He did exactly that. Second play of the Super Bowl in New Orleans, post pattern touchdown. Brett Favre, Andre Risen. Right. They win a Super Bowl. They sent Andre Risen on his way, and he was never heard from in Green Bay again. But that was a situation where the the, the Packers said, "All right, we, we we're we're close. We, we have all the pieces. We have the quarterback. We have the team. We have the potential seeding in the postseason." We need help at wide receiver. This guy's available. We know he's a he's a problem, quote unquote. But we're going to bring him in because he's good, right? And he's and actually he's more he's more than <laughs> yeah. good, and it paid off. And I keep thinking about that. Like if Antonio Brown were to be released, you know, the Cardinals are so close, and they have the pieces right there. You know, hey, listen, if worse comes to worse, you know, you just don't play him or you let him go, right? right. I mean, is it like like really like. Why not? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size. It's a couple of weeks. You know, it be three or four weeks plus the playoffs. But the more you kept talking and, you know, the the comments you said 50-50, I, Tampa Bay ain't letting him go. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let him go just so the Cardinals don't yeah, sign him. right. And they got yeah, to face him in the playoffs. Him him. You don't let a guy like that go right before the playoffs start to go help someone else. And plus, he can help still help you. <laughs> you know, it's suspension to be up here in a second. So, I mean, it's a great thought if that was – a reality if Tampa Bay wasn't a playoff team, but you just don't let talent go knowing yeah. that he could potentially come back and hurt you in the playoffs. <laughs> right. It's a little different because the Jaguars weren't going anywhere in 96 and they they, they released uh, Andre Risen. Shifting gears, Zoe, what do you know about the changing potential COVID protocols in the National yeah. Football League? Because clearly it is sweeping 
you know, the, this new variant and whatnot. And COVID is sweeping through the sweeping through everybody nation, right now. Right? Yeah, I mean, really. Um, and so I know there will be some more conversations with the PA and the NFL trying to figure out what is the best way moving forward. Um, you know, nobody likes getting tested as much as as uh, you get tested as being a professional athlete on on you know on a, on a daily basis. Um, but at the end of the day, you're trying to worry about the product, being able to play games, make sure that you are you you know obviously available. And right now, with uh, this uh, this surgence of uh, you know a hundred plus players or so, is a hundred somewhere around there, right? Yeah. Getting getting COVID right now. Um, it's it's a serious issue and it's something that we have to revisit to make sure that are we doing everything? Because sometimes when you don't hear news, you kind of relax, right? Just like when you win, you relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're not adhering to the protocols as you should. And, and, and so you have to really look at what's going on because at the end of the day, you want to be able to get through this season. Obviously, the NFL doesn't seem like they're moving any games. And so we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. Yeah, it, it may affect fan Fan participation yeah. at games. Uh, the Browns have currently 18 players in protocol. Adam Schefter reporting that the Browns actually, and to make it worse, they actually play Saturday this week against the Raiders, but there's no plans to postpone uh, that Browns game. Uh, real quick, here's Cliff Kingsbury on the state of COVID right now in the NFL. It's tough, obviously. You wish you weren't at this place. Um, this far into it, uh, a lot of meaningful games for this league coming up, and you hate for it to be affected that way. Everyone's safety is first and foremost, and I think the league has done a tremendous job with the protocols. And I know from our, our training staff's perspective and all the things they do for us, um, we feel like we're in good hands. But it's definitely unfortunate it's happening at this time of year. So would you be surprised if if the league did anything drastic in terms of changing how, how quickly guys can come back or perhaps, you know, Mitigating how many people can be in the stands, uh, you know, raising raising awareness in terms of what you do in the locker room and travel and all that stuff. Yeah, everything is on the table, and I can see them maybe getting stringent and going back to 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 some more of the the last year protocols and being strict. Because at the end of the day, the league is worried about uh, protecting the bottom line, and so. They don't want to move games because that's that's TV dollars, right? You don't want to have games canceled because it's TV dollars. I mean, the 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 safety is there, but that's more secondary. So they they're worried about anything they can do to make sure that the NFL continues because it was the only league I, I want to say that didn't have to cancel during COVID, right? Because we had a little bit of a, a runway, and mm-hmm. they definitely don't want to have to do it now, especially at this point of the season when we're getting so close to playoffs and really the the pinnacle of the NFL season. So they're going to do everything in their power. And so if that means, you know, testing guys every day, twice a day, I mean, you know, who, who knows what they're going to want to do um, to get this season uh, completed without any interruptions because it's just more of a pain in the butt for them uh, in order to protect uh, the bottom line. How will the Cardinals rebound following their loss to the Rams? We'll take our first look at the Cards. Lions coming up next. Tim and Zoe in for uh, Luke and Wolf. Coming up, Arizona Sports 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
All right, we are back. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, having a good old time on a Thursday, filling in for Luke and Wolf. Glad you are with us uh, as we are counting down the days to Christmas Day 2021 and counting down the days uh, for NFL playoff football. The final four games uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, they need to win them all, I think, to have a chance at that number one seed. If they don't win them all, uh, they would need Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to both finish 2-2 two and two down the stretch. I, for one, do not see that happening. Their best shot uh, is to win these final four. It begins on Sunday in Detroit, uh, Zoe. And now, certainly, you know, you look at the records, the Lions at 1-11-1. On paper, this is a game the Cardinals should win. But, as we know, aside from the any given Sunday uh, verbiage that you like to throw around on on days like this. The Lions actually, and this is not a gambling comment per se, but the Lions are one of the best teams against the spread in the NFC this year. I bring that up because what it tells me is the Lions fight, and the Lions play hard, and the Lions usually play better than what people think they're going to play like in that game. They are literally one of the top four teams against the spread in the National Football League. You know uh, what they say, Tim, right? Uh, what is that? Good teams win, great teams cover? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I was so, going to say. I, so I think, I, I, again, yeah, I... They're giving people money, but covering doesn't mean anything. All I'm saying, so if you're, if you're if, what's the spread? Like, uh, plus seven? So if I'm the Lions, plus seven, I, yeah, I lose they still, by a touchdown. Yeah, they, but still, I, they still lose, <laughs> yeah. but the fact that they cover means that they're playing people tough and they're not they're not just getting waxed by 13 14 16 18 points and not covering but but by by setting those spreads they're usually probably a, a touchdown underdog but because they have one of the best records That's against significant. right so they're obviously losing these games right. by less than a touchdown is what i'm saying because okay. they they have one of the better records against the spread so because they go into these games by a, with a t- by a, with a, being a touchdown underdog, the fact that they've got one of the best records against that means they're losing a lot of these games by less than a touchdown, which tells me that even though they are probably the worst team in the NFL, they're not just laying down, that they're, they're coming to fight and they're coming to battle every, right. every Sunday. And I think that's something to keep an eye on uh, for the Cardinals going into this one uh, in the Motor City on Sunday. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with that to some extent. Like Dan Campbell, his mentality, as you've seen in his pressers, that's, that's, that's the type of energy that he brings, right? We're going to what gnaw your kneecaps off, right? So <laughs> most of the time, um, and I think this is probably indicative of his, of his team really enjoying who he is, um, is that you take on the identity of your coach in a lot of ways. And so, yes, they're going to fight. I mean, they're prideful. You're getting paid to do a job. You're NFL players, and so you want to go out there and play well. Um, they do things. Um, I, you know, I have a couple of friends that are on the coaching staff, so I know they're coached well down there. So you're going to compete. They just haven't figured out how to get over that hump yet. Um, and so, yes, is this a team that is capable of fighting you and covering the spread, yes. But at the end of the day, oh, I know what you're going to say. I know. Oh, yes. I know. At the end of the day, <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that the the Arizona Cardinals shouldn't go down there, handle business, and come home with a victory because they're the, a, a great coach team and just a better team from top down. And I mean, yes, everybody fights, but this this team needs to go out there and handle business. And I and I would also say. What are those games, those Lions games? I haven't watched a lot of Lions. I'm pretty sure nobody has. I don't want to waste my Sundays. People are, are, they, coming back? are yeah. they getting that last touchdown to cover? Oh, we, we covered. <laughs> Ten seconds left. We got, we got, got, uh, we we're got down that, six instead yeah. of seven or whatever the, the, the they, point spread is. They may call be. that the backdoor <laughs> cover, so, uh here's, here's Cliff Kingsbury on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think they play, play really hard. Oh, see? Uh, Coach, <laughs> Coach yep. Campbell, um, the culture they're developing there. And 
Um, they mix up their coverages, do a good job with that, and uh, they, they've played some really good games, particularly after the bye. I think um, you see what they've come back and, and uh, have been very competitive in these games um, and could easily have a much different record if the ball had bounced their way. All right, some of that, of course, is coach speak. You know, every, oh, yeah, it is. He's searching. Yeah, he's searching. Well, the first thing is that they play hard. Okay, we're better than this team. They play hard, right. but they're not very good. Let me ask you this. I think, it's, I, think, I think in order to properly analyze Sunday's game, you do have to look back a little bit, Zoe, and this is the first time you and, I, you and I have had a chance to talk about what the heck happened to the Cardinals on Monday night. And let me, put, let me, let me phrase it to you this way. What disappointed you the most about what the Cardinals did on Monday night against the Rams because I mean they, they, there were a lot of different things right there right. were there were turnovers there were missed individual battles at the line of scrimmage yep. there were some situational right. football we, we can stop right miscues. there you don't even have to keep okay. going okay. stop right okay. there at your second point in the physicality with the offensive line and allowing and, and and I get it you're playing against one of the greatest generational players of all time in Aaron Donald and there's other guys, Von Miller's out there, uh, Leonard's out there. They have a great rush. But to get physically dominated like that from the start and never at any point saying, hey, we're going to stop this when a guy has 10 pressures, what he had, three sacks, to allow a guy 14 to, pressures. 14. Or four, I think the Cardinals might have had just 10. Yeah, right? the Cardinals <laughs> so, had 10. That was it. To allow a guy to impose his will and never to make an adjustment to where, hey, we're going to just double it. Somebody else has to do something, that – the, the the lack of, I guess, uh, adjustments and physicality from the offensive line to allow a guy like that wreck the entire game because yeah. we want to look at, as fans, right, we follow the ball. You know, so like the, the the deep throws or a couple of the deep outs that Kyler missed. Well, why 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 is he missing? Is he rusty? What's going on? It's on Kyler. Nah. He had his, all, his own offensive lineman on several occasions being physically driven and dumped in his lap. And I'm not talking about like a nice, ooh, a nice swim move or a nice spin move or Just a, a him little back. dead leg. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I'm running right through your face, and I'm going to put you where I want you to put you. And that happened uh, several times. And so you, you're not going to be dominant. In the, you're not going to be able to run the ball. You're not going to be able to pass the ball when that happens on multiple occasions and it's different guys it's, it's occurring to. So that that's where the that's where this week versus the Lions that's where the emphasis need to be. Getting back because early in the season, I really thought the offensive line was playing at a high level, physical, running the ball, protecting Kyler. That's kind of dwindled a little bit as the season progressed. And I know they've had injuries, guys in and out. Obviously, Rodney Hudson was out for a couple of weeks. A couple of guys just you know getting hurt and coming back in, haven't been able to find that mojo. They have to get back to that physical, dominating line play, especially with the offense, to allow Kyler to do what he does so he's not running around every single play and have to be special, and also to open up that run game for this team to be successful. Yeah, you know what, I don't want to pick on any individual guys here, but you can talk about next man up all you want, but the reality is there's guys are starters for a reason, and guys are back up for a reason, and sometimes there's a drop-off in individual yeah. ability when you when you go to your bench. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's happening it. to starters, too. That's true. I mean, <laughs> and it's happening to starters, too. It's everybody. So you have to lead by example. So if you are a starter, you got to be nipping it in the butt this week. Hey, this is this is the standard. I know I was part of it. This is not going to happen. I got to lead by example, and we got it because I know everybody loves the sexy toys, but the game, and I'm old school to the core in a, in a lot of my views, the game is one in the trenches. And if you get tossed around the way they did 
from an offensive line perspective, you're not going. You, it doesn't matter who you bring in, Larry, Antonio Brown, uh, get hot back at you know all pro level. Jerry it Rice, it, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter because <laughs> Kyler's not going to have the ability to set his feet, read, and yeah. throw down the down the field with accuracy. Yeah, and it's the other side of the ball too. Sony Michelle gashed them quite a bit on Monday night. You know, you got to do a better job stopping the run. Yeah, that's starts, been an issue all along. Yeah, all st- year. starts Sunday uh, in Detroit. All right. Uh, Coming up next, uh, we're going to take you through the top sports stories of the day uh, with Wolfen down the lunch, my brothers.